from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back. The second week in April as we run up to the draft is just about to kick off and we're going to get into it today. Couple of updates uh, with the Chiefs in particular. One on the roster and quite a bit on the staff. We're going to cover that get into what that means about what we might see on the field that could be different this season. And, you know, there's always a little bit of crossover that something pays into your life when you watch these things uh, that should be taking center stage in April. We'll get into that as well. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics, and your host over at RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you all for listening. We do appreciate it, and we do appreciate all the new iTunes reviews. We're getting a ton of them right now. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for the five stars. I appreciate those as well. Yeah, we're brought to you by Built Bar, today's episode and all the other ones anyway. Uh, go over to Built Bar and get uh, yours with the locked on code of locked15, and that's for 15% off. Um, and I'd just real quick, congratulations uh, to the coconut bar that won the tournament with, when it came to Built Bar. That is the best Built Bar that they have. So, so evidently, coconut, it, it was chunk. fixed and Chris was in control. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I was not in control, but a lot of people are pissed off. But regardless, it is the best best one out there. Uh, I know this isn't football, but it's indirectly related. I want to talk about the game last night between Gonzaga and UCLA for two seconds. I know you didn't watch it, right? but I'm sure you probably have seen highlights, or if you haven't seen highlights, you need to go watch highlights. Game went into overtime. 3.3 seconds left on the clock. Gonzaga inbounds the ball, tie game. The guy takes four dribbles, gets across court and shoots a shot from about five feet just past the half-court line and banks it in to win the game. Gonzaga wins 93-90. The entire reason I'm bringing this up, this is the reason we watch sports. There is nothing like sports. One of those moments, I was actually watching it with my daughter, and both of us just sat there in shock. And I, like I said, I know this isn't football-related, but it is related to sports in general. And that is the big takeaway and something that I have missed so much over the past year and a half or a year plus a little bit Yeah, was live sports and not having the tournament last year and just all the different things that you miss from what is going on in the world. Thank you, NCAA. Thank you for having those games. I really enjoyed that last night. And it's a step towards the return to you. Normal or close to it anyway. So let's hope that the, the NFL can follow on suit and everything cleans up the way that we're hoping it does for the NFL's 2021 season. Uh, knock on wood, the 2021 tournament actually helped that. That said, one guy that should be excited is um, a little bit of a surprise to some. Um, quite frankly, not much of a surprise to me because I thought while Damian Wilson played pretty well in Kansas City, um, I don't think he hit what they had hoped he would become in that role. And he is taking a contract, or has taken at this point, uh, a contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars and will be not returning to Kansas City, more importantly, which leaves um, a hole there that they're going to have to backfill. I mean, does it, though? I mean, doesn't doesn't Willie Gay go into that position? And I, I know it's not really the same position he would really likely play, but I think that's kind of where you're going to end up going. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that Damian Wilson is gone. Uh, I did not see him coming back after Kansas City didn't try to make any type of uh, re-signing for him uh, going into the offseason. So uh, I hope he does well in Jacksonville, but you know he's not going to be playing in the Super Bowl in the next couple of years. I would guarantee that if he we'll stays have, there anyway. Yeah, he will have a brand new quarterback to play with, though. 
So uh, maybe a little bit earlier in than on his evolution um, of what he saw here as well, but you're right. Um, and a backfill, I only mean that, yes, while Willie is technically probably the next guy to step up, we'll see what ends up happening with Ben Neiman and what um, the future holds for the position. They're going to have to backfill with someone else, period. Maybe that's a day three linebacker or something like that, but there definitely needs to be an addition. Um, we're going to get to the linebacker later in the week, if not next week as well, because I do think it is something that we're going to see change a little bit. But I want to get into the coaching staff changes and what it means and then what that means for the scheme that we're likely to see as well. We're going to get into that coming up next. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are going to be back in full swing. And Bet Online even covers award shows, reality TV, all kinds of stuff. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The promo code's locked on for Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We're covering everything you need to know about the Chiefs, but what about the rest of the league? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by Peter Bukowski, and it's all about sports, all you need, all the news, every morning, and it's under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So we got uh, you know the infamous Friday drop. After all of our shows were recorded for the week, <laughs> after I'd done everything on our, like, there's literally no place for me to put it. So, uh, Sunday night, <laughs> the coaching staff has been revamped a couple of additions, a couple of changes. Um, where would you like to start? What, let me ask you this. What was the one thing that stood out to you the most? Well, I already know where you want to go with this. So I will say Greg Lewis, I think it was kind of surprising to some people. It doesn't shock me and it doesn't shock me because I know the thought process behind it. That's important. Right. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Like everybody is wondering why is he moving to running backs coach when he was a wide receiver and he's been a receiver coach. Simple answer. He wants to be a head coach. This is how you get there. You start going and taking over different positions. You learn everything. Then you can become a coordinator. Then you become a head coach. Well, it's an evolution of we always talk about the evolution of the players. This is an evolution of a coach, especially when you are coaching the position that you played. So literally, he's done nothing else ever since college, right? So that really does need to expand. I think it's interesting that they chose to go to the running back position because I think that is a group that, quite frankly, I think is going to have to develop in the next couple of years. Um, they're young, not just Clyde, but the group in general. And I think it's going to continue to stay that way with more UDFAs, et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to be um, a pretty hands-on coaching position that you're going to have to be with those guys, not just coaching, but teaching as they come into the league at that position for quite a long time, in my opinion. No, I agree with you. I think that's going to be a big development going forward for this team. And then the one that, and I know a lot of people are fired up about that. Don't worry about that because I think quite honestly, I think we'd like to see some progression out of the wide receivers and maybe that's just run its course at this point. Um, and maybe a, a fresh look, maybe somebody else to drive the wide receiver room is going to pay off as well. And that's what they did in taking Joe Blameyer, who had really been working with Kafka underneath from a quarterback perspective. We heard Andy Reid drop his name all season long about how much film work he did. That's your basis. That's your foundation. And now you move to a position where you have to coach the result of that or what the 
payoff from all that film work does. And I think that's interesting. New voice within the wide receiver room. Maybe that can spur what I think is going to be an addition there, but also has to bring that room together around Tyreek Hill to get more production as well. Yeah, that entire room is going to be some a room that's going to be challenged this year uh, with Sammy Watkins moving on to Baltimore. Uh, even though you brought Demarcus Robinson back, there is a talent drop in that room that you're just going to have to figure out how to replace. And you would hope that you can have some of it replaced internally, uh, but that's a big question mark right now. I, I think so as well. And it's something that I'd like to see him you know, continue to push. I think for Jay Blamar, it's a great spot because you do have one of the elite talents at the position in that room. And as advanced as Tyreek Hill is, we need to see more progression out of McCole Hardman. We need to see whoever ends up in that room. I think there's an opportunity there for a different voice to help Byron Pringle come along as well. And that, I think, puts a unique stress on a coach that has seen the quarterback perspective, obviously the premier position in this league. I think that gives him uh, another thing to sink his teeth into that I think will make Jay Blamar a better coach eventually. They're going to lose eventually. I don't know when, because every time I think I know, I'm not right. Um, but Eric Bieniemy is eventually going to get a job. Mike Kafka seems to be a pretty hot name most years as well. Uh, he, eventually, he's going to be getting a job as well. So both these changes in particular feel to me like setting up for the future to keep the pipeline moving along so that Andy can promote from within in the future. Yeah, and I think that that's, that is the smart thing for this organization to do. They have to prepare for the future and where this organization is going to go when it comes to the different coaches and the staff. So I like that they're making those different moves. I will say this, though. You say that Tyreek Hill progressed, and I don't disagree with you. He did over the course of you know being drafted and then to where he is now. I completely agree he's progressed a lot. But some of that's also on the player. Like Tyreek Hill always had the talent but he was willing to put in the work. That's the big question when it comes to a guy like Nicole Hardman, who I think has a lot of the same talent that Tyreek does in a lot of ways, but I don't think he's put the work in yet. Yeah, and that's fair. And again, a new kind of perspective, a new relationship that I know everybody gets comfortable with their position coach, but maybe changing it up a little bit is something to move forward as well uh, and get everybody kind of kick-started again. And I think that's something... That Andy Reid's been good at over the years, I don't think that that means by any means that it's done. And I don't think it's the only change, too. There are other changes on the staff that I think are going to pay off as well. An interesting one is that um, got a move up, or, or change over anyway, for Connor Embry, moving to offensive quality control. He obviously has a relationship with Eric Bieniemy. He is the son of a coach that worked with Bieniemy. He's certainly in the thing, and you know, another Jayhawk on the staff goes a long way. I enjoy that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> nobody cares I knew you were going to dig that one um, interesting for me um, David Girardi a new pass game analyst slash assistant QB coach so now we have what Jay was doing before there's a new guy in that place again backfilling the process that Andy will pull from in the future yeah and it doesn't surprise me that they're starting to fill those types of positions with other guys that uh, they're bringing along from other places. And I do think that this is going to be something you're going to have to continue seeing in Kansas City over the next several years. Like you said earlier, Biennemi is going to eventually leave. I would imagine Kafka is probably gone the next two to three years. You're going to have to get those guys from somewhere. You need to start developing them now. And Andy Reid, although I hate saying this, he's probably going to be gone, I would say, in the next five or six years. 
Uh, you would think, unless he's going to coach well into his 70s, that he's going to be retiring in the next five or six years. And I hate to give that far in advance, but you still have to plan for all that as an organization as well. Yeah, you definitely do. And planning is what it comes down to. And it's funny because when you look at the two sides of the ball, um, clearly a lot of young, a lot of pipeline going on on the offensive side. On the defensive side, they kind of flipped backward because in bringing in uh, a guy that Andy knows, um, and I, I'm going to mess up his name. I'm just going to tell you that now. Ken Flajole, I believe, is how it's pronounced. I don't know. I've heard it Thank multiple goodness you ways. don't have to type it. Right, exactly. That will save me in this case. Um, outside linebackers coach. Somebody who's coached with Andy in the past. Uh, 35 years experience is my understanding. And I think it's interesting because um, what I had read is that last season, there was dis- some discussion of him retiring. So while you're going super young on the offensive side, you're going for steadier hands, more experience, older coaches on the defensive side to help Spags. Um, that stands out to me as well. Uh, nothing against Terry Braden. He, he's also uh, an assistant on the defensive line now. So like a guy that has been helping on the defensive side of quality control in the past as well. Donald D'Alessio, Um, I'm not familiar with him personally, but uh, another defensive assistant. That's kind of a nebulous role at this point. So I would expect a lot of film work. And then um, Tyler Junkins is now the new assistant strength and conditioning coach, a guy that um, did his GA at UCLA. And then I believe his last position was an assistant strength coach for um, the Chargers of all places. So you can see that kind of pipeline from California. The Chargers is probably not someplace you want to normally pull from, but I trust the training organization in Kansas City. So I think they'll be fine. I think it's going to be interesting, too. And I always like to see the progression from being a GA up through and, and how you make those crossovers. There's a, been a long history, by the way, of strength and conditioning uh, coaches back and forth between the Chargers and the Chiefs, uh, all the way back to some guys that I did my GAs with. So <laughs> it, it's interesting. I don't know why that is, but it just is what it is. But they had football back then. Yeah, there was, you know, like the leather helmets and all that stuff. It was great. Okay. Just checking. Yeah, that's why I have dentures. It's awesome. And this uh, is why Ryan likes fullbacks. Yeah. Hey, it all flows together when you think about it. But all in all, when I take a look at the overall thing is that all this looks like um, two very specific sets of additions um, specific to the side of the ball. And I think scheme is going to be important in some of that. I think we're going to get into what those changes might be promoting here on the scheme side of it coming up next. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar. With 100% chocolate on all the bars. Now's the time to find out which built bar is best. It's built bar madness. Their daily matchups as all the high powered flavors go head to head. Go to builtbar.com or at builtbar on Twitter. Check out the matchup and vote in the built bar bracket. Remember to use the promo code locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order. That's locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order at builtbar.com. Check back and see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. So when we take a look at these changes, uh, you know, bigger picture, I feel like on the defensive side of the ball, we all know that Spags is a little bit, little bit out there, um, a little bit frenetic in terms of how much he chooses to blitz when he does that kind of thing clearly likes the three safety set. And I think that is a part of a conversation that's been ongoing over the last couple of months about more positionless football, more 
uh, you know, of those nebulous DBs like um, Jeremiah Wusukoromo that's coming out here, a guy that's like 225 pounds. You don't know if he's a linebacker or if he's a safety, like the evolution of the Dan Sorensen. You know, this all tells me that you're getting young guys at the bottom level and you're looking for uh, assistant coaches that can really help Spags adapt without giving up the experience level that, uh, you know, the gotchas that are going to come with trying to forge ahead with a new concept in coverage in particular, but fronts as well. You know, I'm glad you brought up the ages when you're looking at defense versus offense, because to me, what this says is that Spags is going in getting experience to help him get this through the organization and get it to where they want it to go. Reed is looking for guys that he can groom as being the next offensive coordinator of the future for this team. And to me, I understand why he's going younger, because he wants to be able to mold from the beginning. And I think that's really where he's coming from. So I just think that what they're looking at in different aspects and and the different types of situations, you know, offense versus defense, I think that's fascinating personally. Yeah, I do too. And and it's funny because everybody, you know, looks at a franchise like the Chiefs or or any uh, franchise with a, a serious fan base like the Chiefs have. And they see that as a, as a singular entity. And the thing that you have to always remember is changes go on fairly often, quite frankly, less often with the Chiefs than with a lot of teams. But every roster, every year, when you get out of camp, that's a new team. I know they're wearing the same colors, and most of them are wearing the same numbers, but that particular 53, or now, you know, what is it, 69 total with the practice squad? Uh, well, and you have to wonder if they're going to be wearing the same numbers. Well, yeah, that is going to be changing, I think. I, uh, from what I'm hearing is that proposal that she's made it is – um, has a very good chance of passing so that you can open up those those number ranges. Um, it's going to be fascinating. But those 69 guys in 2021 are going to be different than 2020, clearly. The same thing goes with the coaching staffs, and I think that that lends towards tendencies. It lends towards strengths in coaching, in getting X out of your player in a certain facet of the game. And for me, the fact that they didn't change the secondary coaches, I think that says something because I do think that they want to push more and more towards uh, the the three safety all the time like and especially if they end up drafting someone whether whether they played in college as a linebacker or safety it doesn't really matter at this point if you see them take somebody in this draft that is built like Dan Sorensen the height of a linebacker he's six foot two and a quarter but a weight of a safety I think he still plays at 220 you have that middle ground hybrid guy that I think is going to be the Chiefs future Uh, nothing against Tyron Matthew, you could see them go another robber guy. There's a, a guy named Elijah Molden in this draft that I think fits that mold very well. But the multiplicity, the hybridization of all the secondary spots, I think that that's the direction that Spags is going. This signals it. Yeah, and I think what's fascinating here is you look at the contract that Daniel Sorensen signed, and I know where you're going with if they draft somebody to basically replace him. I get that. But I almost wonder if they won't look at that because they have so many other needs and they will look at other positions because they were able to sign Daniel Sorensen to a special deal. We kind of talked about this a couple episodes ago. If he signed that this year, he's not going to sign something for more next year. I mean, he's on the downside of his career, not on the upside of his career. So they're going to be able to sign to the same type of deal next year. So really value wise, I could understand why they would want to draft somebody younger and, and maybe get them you know, a little bit more speed. But it wouldn't shock me if they don't go that direction just because they're going to they're going to be able to keep Sorensen's cost around a million dollars a year. And to me, that's worth it. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is cost effective at that point. It just becomes whether uh, you still get performance enough out of it. 
even at that point, because costing you get to the point where it's not about the performance per dollar. It's about the performance bottom so that you're not costing games, um, you know, as players. No, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. The problem is, is that Daniel Sorensen is here this year. They're not going to cut him. So if you go draft another safety, where are you going to whose roster spot is he going to take? Right. At some point, you can't have that many of those types of guys. So maybe they go get somebody and maybe he learns this year and then that's what they do. But I could see them going another direction just because they already have Sorensen on the roster for as cheap as they do. And they know they can keep that cost there. Yeah. And I think that they, the other factor that plays into that is do they feel like they're going to continue to have this expanded practice squad? Well, and the other thing that could also play into it, other than the expanded practice squad, which I imagine they'll have this year at least, mm-hmm. is, and, and honestly, I think the NFL may consider going to an expanded practice squad period because I think that most of the teams probably liked it. So it would be something that they would welcome. But the question I would have is okay, so if they're going to continue to go this route with Sorensen, is it, they want the experience. They want you know somebody else back there other than Tyron Matthew that has that experience because look at all the youth they have on the corners, and they're going to continue to have it at the corner position because they're not. I don't think they're going to bring a veteran in. And honestly, even if you bring a veteran in at this point, more than likely it's not going to be a veteran that's going to move in and be a starter. It's going to be a back end guy that's a special teamer like Antonio Hamilton was last year. And you know I don't see that they're going to be doing that. So. You know, unless you were to go get a guy like, and I know he's already signed, but like a Patrick Peterson type, you're not going to have that experienced guy at that corner position. So more experience in the back end of the safeties could really help. Yeah, that's very true. I, I think the interesting thing here will also be how many picks do they end up taking? Do they trade back? Do they acquire more picks as we go through this? Uh, that may signal some of these changes as well. It's true. That said, I'm pretty excited about some of these changes and the fact that we may be seeing uh, at least the groundwork for a bit of um, more modernization of the Chiefs defense as well. Um, and that will make people frustrated about how much uh, run yards they give up. But I think that will set them up for the future to have a defense that can support Patrick and be able to get things done on the field. Uh, that, they don't really care about run yards. Yeah, it's like it's a trend or something. Um, <laughs> that said, yeah, we want to know if you're frustrated about it. If you think that these coaching changes signal something that, uh, that maybe we missed, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, hit us at locked on chiefs on Twitter and put it in your iTunes reviews and click that five star while you're doing it. We appreciate that. I hope that you guys are ready for a great week. We're going to be here and get into, uh, the dirt on a couple of different things. Thanks for listening to us today. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.